Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest, best, greatest episode, the spoopy episode, because I think this one is the last one we're doing in October, so shout-outs to Halloween. Um, this is Game Rivals, as always. I am one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with me, as always, is the haunting of the PlayStation 4, the guy who wants all the faceplates on his PlayStation 5, Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? Uh, it's going good after getting all those titles. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always try to make it a little bit interesting, you know, bring in the spice as always. I think today we're, we're not going to be the most interesting part about this episode because we have a, a special guest. So uh, yes. maybe you should do the honors and introduce him. All right. So um, as we teased in the last episode, uh, we're having a special guest today with us. Um, uh, he's a fellow Dutchie like us. Um, you may have seen his work on uh, Go Nintendo or with Game Explain or uh, I th- think Nintendo Life? No, Nintendo World mistaken. Report. Right, Nintendo World Report. Um, it's not other than uh, Dan. Hey, Dan. I-, I like how you do this entire introduction and then you call me Dan. Ah, hold, good on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me break this down for you, right? Yeah. We're Dutch, so you know, A, know how to pronounce it. Yes, I do. B, <laughs> I, I have made sure that every American I interact with pronounces it correctly. Mm-hmm. And then free, no. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies, Dan. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just switched into full American mode, which is really weird for me, by the way. <laughs> it's it's funny because uh, obviously for Europeans it's easy to say "dan" because they're more familiar with Dutch or German or more Western European names. Mm-hmm. Um, for Americans, it's interesting because uh, they don't see the second "a" like at all. For some reason whatsoever, so I always have to point out that it's for them D A H N in that sense, huh. so they understand roughly how to pronounce it that way. Um, the only ever American who got it right the very first time, uh, was Dan Reichert, formerly of Giant Bomb and now oh, of okay. um, WWE Podcast. He went to WWE for some reason, uh, okay. but uh. That guy, uh, I met him because I gave him like a Waluigi hat and some um, and some stroop waffles. Nice. Uh, because we met each other during E3, and he was like the first American ever who got my name right, like the first time instantly. I was like entirely shocked. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow, that's impressive. He did it better than me. <laughs> um. Yeah, so welcome. Um, could you uh, introduce yourself a little bit more uh, about uh, what you do in general, um, where people have met, may have seen your work out elsewhere? Yeah, sure. So I've done stuff for uh, GameSpan, Go Nintendo, Nintendo World Report, a Dutch website called N1, um, or NA Nintendo, um, um, which this year also celebrates its 20th anniversary, so go us. Um, and now I'm taking a bit of a sabbatical, like a short sabbatical, um, doing some different things, like playing also some different platforms I didn't really have time to. 
Um, and also like starting up some new things. I uh, recently joined Source Gaming. Oh wow! Um, nice. In addition to that, um, I also do stuff with the YouTube channel called Commonwealth Realm. We're making more timeline videos and what have you. So I'm doing more creative things at the moment, which I didn't really have time for. So um, I'm taking an indefinite sabbatical, at least from, say, Go Nintendo, because I was doing that like four days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really intensive. So it's kind of nice to have more of a, a flexible schedule where you actually have time to play games because it's not all sunshine. When people think, oh, you talk about games, you must play a lot of games, right? During that, the last three years, uh, half of my time was just covering the website. So I had very little time to even play games. Um, oh. Which I I, I want to say, it wasn't really healthy, healthy anymore. Like, it wasn't really helping me in the long run. Um, so I, I'm taking a different approach to how I do things. Still, uh, the, the baseline of stuff like reviews and stuff, but also focusing on stuff that I really didn't have time for before. Um, so stay tuned for that, I guess. <laughs> um, All right, but yeah, yeah cool it's, to hear. but yeah, it's and that's something that I want people to take to heart. And maybe this is sort of a sort sort short tangent, um, but I think that especially content creators or people who do a lot of talking about video games for a living don't play enough for fun anymore. Um. And I realized that, like, middle through this entire pandemic situation, that um, I was focusing on work way too much and not playing much for fun. Like, I had, had a, I bought a copy for Final Fantasy VII Remake on day one. I only played that three weeks ago. Oh, wow. So it, it's, I honestly think um, if you take anything away from this podcast, please take this following to heart. Just take a break and play something for fun once in a while. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you also have these moments where you're just fatigued with games and that you just try to do other things like other hobbies or? Yeah, there are definitely moments like that. Like I'm a gigantic music buff, so I like to listen to a lot of soul and jazz. Um, in addition, um, I, I once once in a while I like watch a movie in the theaters, which obviously can't really do right now. Um. But um, binging a lot of Netflix, um, mostly also a lot of anime stuff because um, I don't know, it just feels good. (laughs) (laughs) That I can a hundred percent agree with. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's 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 now taking also a bit more time and actually playing games because once again, I felt like I was doing that too little. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right, so uh, with that out of the way, let's jump into the news segment. Um, there's a lot of, well, there's finally a lot of more stuff about PlayStation 5 that we can talk about because they've been finally doing stuff publicly, which, you know, Microsoft has been doing with the Series X. Um, there's a company that, as I said before in the beginning of this intro, is making custom side plates for PlayStation 5. And they actually look really nice and premium. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you've uh I don't know if you got a chance to see those uh uh Dan. My, yeah. uh, wow, I 
Sure, but... Wow, that is going to be a mental uh, exercise. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen them yet, um, but they look really nice, really premium, especially uh, there's a chrome version. Well, okay, maybe not the chrome version. There was a blue version that looked really nice. Kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of a PlayStation blue color, so it fits the whole aesthetic of it, but the black one also because everybody's like, oh, like a whole black outer shell with the inner sh- inside and the blue lights would look really cool. Sure. And yeah, they have that as well, like a matte black version that just looks really cool. At least in the renders, it looks cool because they don't have, uh, I don't I don't think the website actually has like actual pictures on PlayStation 5s just yet, but they look really nice. The prices are also pretty decent. I think the average price is like 35 euros, um, mm. if I'm not mistaken. So that that looks nice. Here's directly the danger of that, right? We indeed have not seen them on PlayStation 5. We don't know if they will exactly fit or how they will exactly are putting apart and putting back together. Because um, obviously it seems likely that you can remove the blades. That's not really the issue. The issue really is, is that they have not really been able to test on a full retail PlayStation 5 yet. So, kind of focusing on the fact that they would need a retail PlayStation 5 to test it, because I'm sure they didn't get any direct approval from Sony to already do this. Um, mm, did they? I don't remember that part. I think they. I I think they're like an official. I don't think it's like officially licensed, but um, it's basically like with. Well, I mean, basically, if you look at other tech stuff, um, you tend to see accessories made for them way in advance yeah because they tend to they tend to get either molds or something like that or specs from um the manufacturer of those things so they can make so they can make them in advance so that they can have these accessories out uh on time yeah but it also comes back to the same issue of for example using using a custom dock on switch or relying on a third-party controller and every other platform ever like sure it could work but it's never a hundred percent guarantee it will work. Yeah. Oh wow. Thanks for reminding me about that. Wow, that was a really bad turn uh, early on in the uh, early on in the switch lifecycle when all these cust- the, these uh, third party dogs went out. I remember. They, so they have, en- they ended up breaking yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> so I, I I remember a good story here. So um, everybody knows here in the skull because we're Dutch. Knows Game Mania. They are basically the game spot <laughs> of the Netherlands here. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually selling a custom dock for a little while there, um, and I actually like called the, the the community manager and hey, are you sure this is safe? And literally two weeks later, they were pulled off shelves. <laughs> wow. Oh no! Oh wait, what was was this like early in the Switch's life cycle or Never. this was like r- mid two thousand eighteen? Wow. Okay. okay, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Huh. Well, um, considering that even during the teardown, uh, it looked a bit difficult to get the 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 side plates off. Yeah. Off. Mm. Well, you have to lift it up in an, You have to lift up a part of the panel, and then you can just slide it off. So it's. Not yeah, you have to lift it up in a very specific angle. At least that's the way it seemed to me. Um, well, I would I would guess that it's just hold in place by a. Uh, let's say like a. a, a 
Yeah, there's some clip, hooks in there. Something yeah. like a mushroom clip, and then you just pop it out yeah. so it comes out of the clip and slide it off. Um, oh, no, they're, they're like hooks in them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with these things, I would just put it. I was thinking, maybe I'll just paint my own. I, I love the matte black one. I thought, like, oh, maybe I could put a side panel and just do it myself. I think a lot of people will probably enjoy that. Here's also an interesting quote. Do we really think the PlayStation 5 looks that bad? I think just well, like, <laughs> I, I know. Well, well I know Sean has saying, like a specific thing here because a lot of people <laughs> prefer uh, just having pure black on their PlayStation consoles. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But does it really look that bad? With the white, no, it doesn't. No. The problem is the size. It, it reminds me of a stormtrooper. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's. I think it's because people have traditionally gotten used to a black PlayStation because it's two, three. Or, obviously yeah and I, th- I think it's it's that and maybe also because the xbox dex is black um i think yeah i mean sony has said itself that because of the way the ps5 is built it will give them a lot more options to customize and come up with special editions which are a lot di- more different than what we're used to the funny thing is also that there was this sony catalog floating around a while back which had all sorts of sony products in it sure and there was a miles morales themed uh, PlayStation 5 in it, so I think that also kind of got people excited because they were like, oh wow, the light is red, and the, the whole PlayStation is black, and the controller was black, and everybody suddenly got excited because it kind of gave them hope, so I think hmm. yeah, people are not used to the white, and that's why people are change, and you know, people always handle change differently Yeah, that's true I mean, to a, to a certain extent that's uh, obviously true but I guess, yeah, um, we'll just have to wait and see. They are saying on their website that they are guaranteeing getting a day and date with your PlayStation 5. We'll see. Um, and they ship internationally. So, again, we'll see. Um, hopefully, they fit and they're fine. I mean, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait for the reviews on those. Do we uh, even know where, where this company is based out of? Uh, I think I'm on the site now. They are... Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, doesn't seem to say. I'm, I'm assuming they are based in the U.S., but odds are they're probably shipping it from like China or something. Their hours are GMT. Oh, oh so the UK based. based. Yeah, oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, okay, they, they, it's it, their refund policy seems like a UK refund policy. Huh. And like that actually makes way more sense than it being an American company, by the way. Maybe that they're just Yeah. It might, yeah. Alright. Um speaking of PlayStation Five, uh, let's uh continue on that the train. They finally showed the UI in a very nice and pretty comprehensive video. Um there's a lot of stuff that's changing, a lot of stuff that's very cool. Um, nothing like a uh, quick resume or anything, but still very, still very neat. Um, have you guys, uh, I mean, Sean, you've already seen it. Uh, Dan. Yeah. Uh, did you see it? Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? I, I really enjoyed what they are doing with the UI. Uh, my problem with PlayStation consoles for the longest time since PlayStation 3 
is I don't think the UI is very comprehensive. Um, if you look at, say, uh, the competition with Nintendo and Xbox, uh, one thing they've always been doing is keeping it simple and straightforward to the point. Um, with uh, the X and B on PlayStation 3, I really enjoyed the X and B, but if you want to find like immediate X to a certain function, it would take a while. PlayStation 4, everything was loaded between two bars, and all the main bars were split into also different side options, which also didn't make it exactly easy to find stuff. Um, what I think is interesting about... Like, first of all, the control center of PlayStation 5, where you hop out of a game, get immediate access to the options that you need. That is so incredibly helpful. I'm not sure how much, how intrusive the cards will be, uh, because there is a very much a, a very sliver in my head that sees the cards and think, oh, God, they're going to fill up the screen instead of the things that I immediately need at that point, right? Uh, but at the same time, I think the overall design of the control center it's much more fluid and uh, also immediately allows you to hop into your friends list or what have you, which I think is the most important thing for a UI function like that. Um, yeah. And then the main one where you go from, from completely from a cold boot where you see like the same or similar options, but also see uh, what the game is all about, the, the immediate options for that game, what do you need to know before going into it? I think that feels a lot more immediate than it was there. And having a separate sidebar for media apps is so, so important because Microsoft has been doing that since the beginning of Xbox One. And it feels insane to me that Sony, with all the prowess they have on their, on their Sony Bravia TVs and what they do, they haven't been able to figure that out yet for the longest time. I think part of it is because when the cross media bar came out for the PlayStation 3 like they really hung out onto that for everything that they did. So um not just for the PlayStation 3 um the oh, PSP had a yeah. cross media bar also um, the older some of their TVs, TVs had yeah, older TVs yeah, had the cross- had the too. Yeah. Yeah, like my parents have an old uh, Sony Bravia TV and that has it as well. So like, oh, this is familiar. <laughs> Um, and I think because of that, all the, 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 the things that I've done with their UI design is modify it. Um, I like the, the control center because it's an overlay, mm-hmm. but because of it's, but because it's an overlay, um, it didn't seem like it paused the game. So you have to go back to the main menu, uh, of, uh, of the PlayStation five to have it suspend gameplay because mm-hmm. otherwise you just. You just have that overlay of the uh, the control center, um, and then all the cards that you're seeing. Right. The uh, one thing that I am curious about is that since we do know that the i the UI is 1080p, are the cards when uh, in control center also 1080p, or the do they scale 4K. up to 4K? The UI is not 1080p. UI is 4K. Yeah, the 4K. Wait, which one? Yeah, oh, sorry, card. I'm confusing it with. Um, the series, the Series X, that one is 1080p. Yeah, it, it's 4K HDR, and yeah, that, right, that, right, that's right. Like a big focus for them. <laughs> My bad. Even My bad. even even <laughs> even if it wasn't 1080p, I don't think you could tell the difference. To be honest, well, you might. I mean, I have a 4K monitor, and I if I play sometimes games that work with 1080p, I can 
immediately see difference when it becomes a little bit uh, out of focus. So I, mm. I don't know because that was some of the things that that got hands on with the Xbox Series X kind of complained about. And like, hey, the why it looks kind of out of focus and fuzzy. It might be a problem for some people. For I think for the vast majority, I honestly think they couldn't tell the difference. Maybe it's yeah. distant. Who is sitting that close to their television? Let's be real here. <laughs> are, you a think... ma- are you a maniac? Are you sitting all day that close to your TV? What? Well, if the if they keep the if they keep the wire short, oh wait, everything is wireless now. <laughs> well, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. We play uh, I play Call of Duty Modern Warfare with a few friends of mine, and for some reason it. It feels like we're we, we can see more when we're far closer to the TV. Because when I'm when I'm sitting laid back on the couch and I die, I just it, it, it's probably something mental that you're like, oh, I didn't see him. And then when you're closer to the TV, it feels like you're you have more of an overview. So it, it sounds really funny or strange, but yeah, it it actually helps. <laughs> oh no, yeah, he's the one that does it. He's the one that leans in. Yeah, sorry, man. Yeah. yeah. But for for me, honestly, like I think what Microsoft does more than anything else is creating a good UI. So I don't really have to worry about that their UI is ever bad. Even with Xbox One, the early days of Xbox One, even though like some options were really difficult or weirdly placed, I still had a good overview that they would likely be in settings or in the store or what have you. Mm. Um. PlayStation has been really over the place with their UI design. I think, and this is a, a real hot take, I think their best UI design in the last 10 years was PlayStation Vita. Oh. Really? With the bubbles? Yeah. It's straightforward, I'll give you that. I'm not going to say that it's the best UI that they had. I like that. I, 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 I mean, it's better than the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3 design. Yeah. I guess because with the, with it's the not XMB. a high standard. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like with the XMB, you you knew where to look because it was these. It was yeah, but it, game, it was too focused on, on side option, on the side option, on the side option. With okay. uh, Vita, everything in settings was straightforward and laid out to you, and all the bubbles immediately told you what they are. And if you would go to the preview screen, you would get a series of options that immediately goes to the option that you immediately wanted to. Uh, yeah, I understand what you mean. I mean, the XMB felt like a flowchart you would see. I can understand that. Yeah. And I'm sure not, not everybody will agree that, that the Vita design was the best one they had in the last 10 years, but it's, for me at least, it was the most straightforward and, and the stuff that I wanted out of it. Yeah, for me, it was yeah. the 3DS. Not going to lie. And well, it was Super so, simple. I was purely talking about Sony, but uh, yeah. uh, if, if you're talking about... For so, for so, for, yeah. Uh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, ah, dang it. Ah. Huh. I mean, like what I like about the PS5 UI is that it doesn't take you out of the action. It really acts as an yeah. overlay because yeah. with the PS4, that's my hugest gripe that it kind of ruins the experience because it takes you out of the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's just like this clean overlay. It, it really reminded me of in-game XMB. It's just a, a simple overlay. And I think you can turn off a lot of things because... People were like, yeah, but I don't maybe don't want to know about the activities. 
because it might spoil things for me. And they have said that there are a lot of things you can turn off or want to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really nice that they're taking a game-centric approach and saying, okay, it's a simple overlay. It's not taking you out of the experience. Same goes for the picture-in-picture. Right. That's, that's, by the way, a really good feature. You can just, mm-hmm. yeah, you can just, in a way, keep on playing without constantly getting that, that PS4 uh, stop. That's something I really I am curious if the picture-in-picture works with, like, co-op multiplayer games, because if that works with co-op multiplayer Hmm. games, that's really awesome, because I can see something like doing Warzone, where you at least have one of your friends snap to the side and watching uh, along with them. It technically could. Here's why. Because if you are in party chat and you have somebody else who is sharing their screen, you could still do picture-in-picture, so it would be technically totally possible. Then my question then comes becomes how many picture in pictures can you have? Yeah, because they didn't show that. They only showed one, for example. Yeah. But would you want multiple? Because does that not? Distract well, if you're in a squad, wouldn't you? But I have to focus on my yeah, game. Yeah, you have to focus on your game. On, on so three other screens. So I think it would distract me too much, and then I'll probably die because yeah. I'm looking at your screens and I'm like, oh, I didn't see the guy because I was looking at your screen. Okay, fair. Honestly, it was more of a question of does the PlayStation 5 have the bandwidth to do multiple pictures in pictures, uh, to be honest. But I see your point there. I still think it would be cool because then you can have uh, games that lean on the picture-in-picture functionality Mm -hmm. um, where you can have one player be kind of like an operator, whereas the others, um, yeah, are, you know, focused on doing, you know, different tasks and the operator... Um, has like an overall view, including right. like from your point of view, because there might be some someone who you know appears in the corner of your eye, but you don't notice it. But if you have the picture-in-picture feature, well, actually, now that I think about it, considering that the picture-in-picture makes the video small, I don't know if you'd be able to see details that well. <laughs> yeah, it's purely to have an overview of what the other person is doing, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to rethink that one, but um. Game help. That's a thing now, apparently. Um, it's locked behind PlayStation Plus. <laughs> it's locked behind PlayStation Plus, and it just reminds me of the 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 the, um, the super guide that uh, that Nintendo had a couple of years ago. Oh, they still do it now and again. Really? They still wait. What was the last game they did that for? Um, let me think. The last game that did that for, well, there haven't been that many games in 2020, Nintendo wise. Um. Hmm. Yeah, the last one was somewhere in 2019, for sure. Huh. Okay. Likely Mario Maker 2, if I think about it now. Oh, right. That did have Super Guide. The story mode in Mario Maker 2 did have a Super Guide, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, game help. I mean, considering that developers have to... Now that I think about it, the next one with a guide or a guide function is Pikmin 3 Deluxe. It does? Yeah. Oh, okay. I already finished it because I have a review copy. Lucky <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>, you. <laughs> yeah, that's coming out this Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday when this goes live, that's like two, the three days away. So Yeah. Um. All right. Okay. So that's good. To, I don't remember. Did that one have, did the original version have? No. Like Super Guide? No, it didn't. No. Okay. 
Well, since um, since this is more like a developer-based thing, um, I'm wondering if there are going to be developers. I mean, I'm going to assume that there are going to be developers that are not going to do it because if they have a story-focused game, having um, game help... Well, they say that there won't be spoilers in it. It's just to guide you into the right direction of whatever, wherever you need to go. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if there are going to be developers that are going to take full advantage of that. I can imagine that it's in the interest of the developer to use the system because through game help, you will be able to show off far more of your game to someone than not. I mean, there's, game developers put so much time and effort into their games. And this is a, a really nice tool to get kind of an, an appreciation for it, show it to other people and have them maybe explore complete parts of the game they might miss on because they're on a very specific path. And this way they can either maybe find mechanics or get reminded of things or i think the, the the potential for it is pretty huge the question is is how easy is it to implement and maybe in the beginning they'll probably experiment with a lot of things and eventually you get this, this fixed formula that everybody will use and then yeah my question is the following what what would the incentive be for a developer to put that much extra time in to make videos and screenshots for every part of your game to make game help possible Huh. I think in the long run it would might be. I don't know if. Because if here's the thing. To... I understand Sony games would do that. I understand why. I don't understand why third party games would do that if they want the game that game experience pure. Well, I don't. Okay, for example, if they were to do a new Dark Souls game, I seriously doubt that From Software would use the functionality to do so. Because the whole point of a Dark Souls game is, you know, learned by experience. Um, that's also why they have the hint system be very basic. Um, well, what if they want to pull in more people into Dark Souls? Yeah, but I don't think that is that is their intention of creating a Dark Souls game. Like the Dark Souls game is being um, very much involved in the world and and not knowing what you're doing and learning from their experiences. I think putting in game help in such a game would destroy that experience. Okay, so. Basically, any kind of game that would be story-heavy or focus on skills would most likely not be implementing game help. But I do see stuff like platformers where they showed off um, uh, the Sackboy game, Sackboy Adventures. Um, well, that makes sense that, because it's, not, it's, it's a not platform. focusing on mechanic. It's purely focusing on finding like the collectible costumes. Yeah, so I think for stuff that does collectibles... Um, that would make sense. I don't think it would make sense for, for example, a fighting game that to have game help because I don't. I wouldn't even know how you would. Yeah. Begin to implement something like that. Anyway. You can't anticipate on that stuff. Yeah. I think we'll just have to wait and see. It feels a bit. There's huge potential to it, but it feels kind of like when we started this generation that the console manufacturers started to have developers add your mobile phone as an overlay to the experience when it showed it off with Watch Dogs that you could have someone else play and support you or on Battlefield 4 you would have the commander mode and they could drop rockets and they could uh, give you care packages mm -hmm. and stuff like that So and eventually it kind of bled out because they realized people aren't really waiting for that so right. they have to pay, pull it off right otherwise this will become the next mobile thingy that eventually nobody uses <laughs> this is what I call uh, the, the sequence of lost gimmicks 
<laughs> so every co- every console, no matter how big or small it is, have something they really tout at the beginning, and then immediately you lose a year after. If yeah. anything on PlayStation Five is going to be in that line, I sadly think it's Game Help. Possible. If if it if it takes away from development time, I can see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Remember HD Rumble. <laughs> yes, because oh man, I had to replay a game recently that uses HD Rumble really well, and I'm like. Why are there no more games doing that? And I think part of it is because most games that are coming to Switch is because they're all um, ports of older games that don't it's not even have ports, that. It's also games that are built up for Switch. It's like it takes extra development time to make that make that function work well. But now you have PlayStation Five with haptic feedback, which is basically the same thing. So, are we going to have games on PlayStation Five not use the haptic feedback on that? Likely, because if they because if they because now you have two systems that cover it it would be way better in their in their better interest to use it for both two systems over you know not mm-hmm. at all but doesn't so, the Xbox one already have haptic trigger nope i it thought that was one of the things they touted because there's also rumble in the trigger itself so they think microsoft said Wait, they did one, yeah they, they said they already have haptic triggers because sony already had haptic triggers ready for the ps4 pro but they said we're not going to do it in the pro because don't want to kind of divide our audience, so that's why they kind of pushed for PlayStation Five. I think that was one of the selling points of the Xbox One that they had haptic feedback in their controller. I do not have an Xbox One controller, so I have no idea. I do, but it's it's also interesting <laughs> how um, Nintendo pioneered like the the very um, press in um, R but L and R buttons with the GameCube controller. They immediately rolled it back with with Wii, Wii U and Switch, and now Xbox yeah. and PlayStation are both doing the more uh, centralized um, haptic feedback trackers. <laughs> I, I found uh, an article really quickly on the Microsoft side dating back to 2013, in which they say impulse triggers. Xbox One's wireless controller supports four vibration motors, a small one behind each trigger that adds precise haptic feedback to the finger tips. A large one that's in true, each yeah. and large rumble. Yeah, so I thought like, hey already have it there huh you can to be to be it? completely fair you can feel it a bit more in their elite controller than the regular xbox one controller yeah, ah, okay so that means yeah. that they probably didn't have like sufficient like sufficient motors put in like the original controllers then mm-hmm. yeah. i mean it's interesting i mean sony has constantly touted haptic feedback is constantly giving specific examples around um Feel the tension on a bow. You can feel the curve on a track with a race car. So they're giving really specific examples, but they're all for Sony games. And I've even read an article in which the triggers, some said that you can feel raindrops through the triggers, or you can, uh, your triggers can even jam up when, when you're playing a shooter and your gun jams, the trigger might jam. And I'm like, yeah, but doesn't that cause people to think that their controller broke, or won't they inadvertently break the trigger because they think something's hey man, wrong? Hey, man. Do you know that you can feel how many iceboxes are in a glass on your Nintendo Switch Joy-Con? I, I don't have a Switch, so I honestly don't know. <laughs> and I don't have one to Switch, so I haven't tried that yet. But I have played other games that do utilize the HD Rumble really well. and Really cool. Just they're not, There's not enough 
incentive for developers to like invest in that kind of de- yeah, development, which is re- a shame, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so outside of the UI stuff, um, there was a firmware update for PlayStation Four, which people got really upset about. Not for the right reasons, but they still got us about it anyways. I think it's two part because the, the update has been in beta testing for a while, but um, as soon as the update rolled out, Sony changed one thing and they said when you join a party, for example, audio in the party can be recorded. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, and the memes were flying around on the internet and they were like, oh, uh, Sony's listening in or Sony can ban you now or whatever. So they quickly rectified it by saying, okay, this is just a tool. We cannot, we will not record your sessions. We cannot listen in. This is more a tool for you as the player to, if you're playing a, an online match and you're experiencing bullying or hate speech or whatever, uh, you can record X amount of seconds and then you can submit it to Sony and then their moderation team will take it from there and they will listen to it and check if there's any required action necessary. Which is in a way, a, a good feature, because I, I've mentioned in the past before, I play Call of Duty Modern Warfare online, and I generally don't go into game chat, because when I am in game chat, and even if I lose one match, then people start saying the worst things, and I'm like, wow, this is exactly the reason why I avoid game chat, because I just don't want to hear all these things. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, the second part is, is, they've changed the way how parties work, and the moment it's it breaks the experience because basically what you have to do is you have to create a group have to add people to that group and then you can just jump into a party whereas before you could just say i want to party with billion uh, and with dan go it sends the invite you get the invite you all can join and we can just chat and play whereas now you need to make sure that you group or right. sometimes the groups don't show up i've had that before mm. or uh, you get a lot of notifications um, and, and I, if you want and if you want to add somebody to your group you just have to make a new one yeah. which is the most craziest of all yeah huh and, and, and what weird. makes it worse is that the friend list doesn't load correctly right now yep <laughs> wait seriously yeah. yeah yeah i haven't i haven't i haven't played my playstation 4 in a in a, in a while so Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. And in a way, I think it's it's because when you saw in the PS5 UI video, you saw the, a part where the person that was presenting it, they had friends and they jumped in a group or in a voice chat and he just got a pop-up, a notification, and he could instantly jump into that voice chat. And I think on the PS5, it's, it's thought out more or there are more resources to make it a little bit smoother. But I think they want feature parity and that's why they kind of did it on the PS4 as well. But... And that doesn't work on the PS4. Sony has said that they're they're looking into the issues and that they're happy that people yeah. have spoken up about it, but it, it just oh, really just ruins the experience right now. <laughs> oh no. Uh it's not good. Nah. And, and the thing is is it didn't pop up in the beta or people didn't experience the issue in the beta because everybody said okay, we've been testing this firmware for a long while. Right. Why wasn't this tackled in the beta? That's one of the reasons why you it's, do a beta. It's almost like Sony doesn't know how to do UI design until PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that traditionally, and I've, I've said this before, traditionally Sony is a hardware company, whereas Microsoft has this sweet spot where they're able to combine both hardware and software, giving oh, yeah. them 
amazing results. And because Sony has been traditionally a hardware company, they make amazing hardware. But they always drop the ball when it comes to software. And that's that's kind of been their, their Achilles heel for these past few years. And, and hopefully it will become less of an issue. In the so so and, here's, here's always how I looked at it at the free companies, right? Um, Microsoft is a software company first. They have more prowess now in hardware design thanks to the things that they make with service and everything. But yeah. the, for the majority, they are a software company. Look at how, at how they make uh, their PC software, what have you, and also the Xbox software. Sony has is a major player in hardware. Look at the stuff they make, including cameras and what have you. Um, Nintendo is a toy maker. They've always has been. They make a they make joyful experiences that everybody can enjoy for the most part, except for the stuff that they make more for the more hardcore audience. Um, and their and their hardware always gives off this this grandiose nature. It might not be the most hardware prowess because they stepped away from that since the GameCube and more focused on their toy side, but it's always looking fun. Yeah. I think the it came out this week. I think Mario Kart Live or yeah, it came out last. Yeah, that came out. So that came out this week. Yeah, I follow this channel on YouTube. Maybe you know it. It's called Linus Tech Tip, and they have a video do around that. So I saw it yesterday, and I thought, wow, this is just perfect. This is amazing because growing up as a kid, everybody wanted yeah. like this, this controllable car, and now they've, in a way, with AR, they've gamified it. And it's it's just cool. It it looks really good from a from a like a toy perspective. It really looks A grade. I saw it and I thought like, wow. And they're selling it for a, I think ninety nine ninety nine or like a hundred yeah. euros. And I thought yep. like, this is genius, Nintendo. You just I see this being the next holiday this Christmas. This is something that all the kids want under their under their tree, right? And they'll just play this with all their friends. And with, with, with of course. Uh, Two meters or a half, meter and a half distance, of course. But this is like the perfect holiday toy for kids this generation. But even their games like give off that feeling. They make grandiose toys. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like all the comp- companies have their strengths and weaknesses. I don't necessarily think that I prefer one over the other. Um, but it's it, you always need to focus on their strengths. But when their weaknesses come out, say with this PlayStation Four update. It really shows, and it's annoying as all heck. Yeah. yeah. It's also distracting away from the PS5. They're kind of on this wave riding, and it's all exciting stuff, and then you kind of get this gut punch where you're like, oh, but drop the ball with the PS4 update. Yeah. It also kind of doesn't help that they've been still mostly quiet, and only now, like, starting to trickle out information. I think it's been a bad move because I've said it a gazillion times. I eventually got fed up with all those developers talking about how amazing that SSD is. But Sony literally didn't have to do anything from a promotional point of view. Because everybody, let's say in the first six months of this year, before we got the, the PlayStation event, or the, the Specs event for what Mark Sony did, everybody was talking about... Oh, the SSD of the PS5 is so amazing. It's gonna enable us to do this and that. And Sony basically just sat there and like, this is just free promotion for us. We don't have to do anything. Everybody's <laughs> talking about PlayStation. And then Microsoft yeah. did a couple of those events where they invited people over to their headquarters. 
kind of the, the, it shifted towards Microsoft and then Sony did their hardware event. So I, I think that's been the theme this year that Microsoft has done a lot, but the few things that Sony have done have been of a higher quality level. I mean, I heard more people talk about the PlayStation showcase and Xbox live webcam stream event that kind of disappointed everybody. Well, you know? here's, the, here's, here's, here's the thing. I think that Microsoft has been more open with their next-gen stuff. Yeah, like exactly. basically laying out a plan, and that means that they have a lot of moving parts. They didn't focus on one thing or another. They sent out their consoles relatively early. They um, ensured that everybody knew what's up, and they kept everybody in the loop, like at a bi monthly, no, three monthly basis, not even monthly, I think three, by three weeks or something. Yeah. Um, they have been also taking the first shot at, say, Look, these games are definitely there on launch day. These games will definitely have an upgrade day one. These are the games that are playable. Um, and they constantly wrote updates by every week to ensure that every game is compatible. So they're actually actively checking their games. So Sony, um, Sony takes only certain moments. And I think those moments cause a gigantic uproar for sure. But then the, free, the the following weeks after that, they go completely silent. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, what, what, for example, the, the DualSense reveal was one of those things that just came out of the blue and caused an uproar. And after that, was said it was quiet. And the controller, now show us the box because we really want to show the box. But I mean, from a transparency point of view, you're absolutely right. Microsoft has been. And I have to commend them for it. They have been playing this really smartly and really nicely because yeah. I think they won a lot of people over because a lot of people are expecting because PS4 sold so much this gen that a lot of people will automatically just go for a PS5. But I think Microsoft did some pretty good things to win people over. Um, it might be like a really interesting holiday game. I also don't think that Microsoft's big shot during generation is... The Series X, I think it's the Series S, uh, because that it is very competitively priced at three hundred euros or three hundred dollars, and you can basically see it as a Game Pass machine where you eventually buy games for or now and again. Um, yeah, I'm getting a Series X, and I'm also getting a PlayStation Five because I believe in console gaming, and I think it's important that they're there. Um. But at the same time, if you're trying trying to be very cost effective, I see nothing wrong with buying a three hundred dollar or euro Xbox Series X and getting all the value out of it that way. I just wonder in that case that it, it, it counts for the digital edition of the PS5 as well. Isn't it only appealing in countries where, for example, the internet connection is of a decent quality that people will be able to? get those games quickly because we kind of live in a time that immediacy is key. We want it now and fast. And I kind of feel that the one S is the, of the one S. <laughs> yeah. The naming scheme is really the series S feels like this upsell console saying, yeah, you can buy it for cheap, but you live in a country where you have data caps or you live in a country where the internet is, is not reliable. And then people automatically say like, yeah, but yeah. I need reliability. So I'll just shelf out 200 more and get the series X. There definitely will be people who feel that way, and I would completely understand that. Also, the the option of having desks is, is an, also an important thing. Um, I think in countries like ours in West Europe or or very um, 
called the, the densely packed areas in the United States, like Washington State, California, New York. I, I don't necessarily think there it's an issue. And I think there, like, especially for low income households or some that are more cost effective, I think the, seri- the Series S could make a major impact. Plus, in those countries, they also have the all-access um, option. So, yeah. you know, they don't have to buy it right away. They can That's just true. do it on installs. All-access is... And I wish they had that here. Yeah, that is, so, <laughs> that is such a genius move, all-access. I really don't understand why Sony doesn't... I don't know if it's Nintendo, but all-access is genius. I think it has to do with the fact that they have to partner with a bank to do it. So, you know, right. doing all the logistics there. They already did that with the current generation um, with the Xbox One and uh, uh, I think the, the Xbox One S that yeah. they were able, that you're able to do that with. So they already have that experience. They already have that partnership with whatever bank that they're working with to do that. So I think if um, Nintendo or Sony wanted to do something the same way they'd have to partner with a different bank mm-hmm. and that's you know that's a whole different logistics thing that you they probably don't want to go get into anyways uh, i mean uh, and everybody's is kind of predicting because of microsoft's huge focus on game pass in the long run they will win this generation because they will just hook everybody to uh, not on the xbox microsoft um and i think that all access plays in that. Yeah. Speaking of data caps, though, um, we haven't talked about our good friend Google Stadia in quite some time. And <laughs> this week alone, yeah. they've released two exclusive demos. One is for Pac-Man Mega Battle, which is a battle royale Pac-Man game, and the other is for Immortals: Phoenix Rising. They also also released the worst creative director of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh, wow. do, do we want to get into that one? Sure. Why not? Because <laughs> that hot take. Oh, wow. Um, he was so... I, I, I don't exactly remember the take, but it was something like, oh, streamer should, streamers and content creators should pay a fee to, to uh, cover the games. Um, yeah. That 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 developers and publishers are releasing. It's like, are you dead dumb? <laughs> yeah, I, it kind of went past me. So I, I I saw it circulating yesterday or the day. But I'm I'm gonna look up the exact quote now. I, I, oh, he got roasted on Twitter for that. He got ratioed think, really hard. Yeah, and I think really uh, Google even distanced themselves from the guy. And I think the guy yeah. just you basically just be going away probably soon. And I think if they don't if they don't let him go, I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised if they don't let him go because because you're just insulting okay, here we go. like your here's, entire creator fan base. Here's the exact quote, right? Streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's gone all to pub- it's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. The real truth is that players should be paying developers and publishers for the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. Mm. Okay. So, 
Um, a lot of a lot of things that he mentions is just crazy. I mean, even oh man, seriously, because well, because this all happened because of what Twitch Twitch has been doing by um, uh, removing people's videos that have music playing in the background. Yeah, and YouTube has also been more uh, YouTube um, manual. Um, manual track tracking system has also been more active as of late. Is it also maybe because Twitch has they have this system they're about to release, I think, with game down tracks or something like that? Yeah, they that they released that. Yeah, so yeah. maybe they yeah. want to also push people well, towards it, that. Once system? again, it's well, it's also it's also YouTube, so it's not just Twitch. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, because it was a reaction basically to the music industry where like, hey, you're like your platform is having music on there that we didn't sanction and that didn't pay for it to use. You know, it's, it, talk about like not understanding fa- t- um, uh, fair, fair use. use. Yeah. And it's not like we haven't been through this before. I mean, we've been through this before with game footage where people talking over it, like doing let's plays and stuff like that, or doing video reviews that they were being, um, they were also being uh, uh, um, either demonetized or having their videos being deleted because of that. But that all changed. I don't know what the music industry is doing now because you have music streaming. Like, get off people's backs. They keep doing this every decade. Like, there's, I don't think there's ever been, like, ever, ever since the inception of, like, sharing music on the internet, the music industry has always been... I don't want to use that word has always been very stuck up about having music being used fair use wise for free in I quotes. I also think they have bad experiences because look at, for example, at the time when stream, when uh, iTunes came around, they made a deal about selling their content online. And I think they feel that they didn't get the true value out of it and that they kind of signed a deal that they felt mm. wasn't maybe best value and that when you're looking at, at streaming services now I mean, nobody wants to do this combined streaming service because everybody wants a lot bigger a, a, lot, a larger piece of the pie because they're like hey but look at what happened to music we don't want to end up like music so we want bigger chunks of this pie yeah the, uh, I don't know but music, but the music industry uh, has always been weird but going back to the comment at hand uh, yeah. I just think that's not really how the promotion of games really works because the beauty of pr- the promotion of games is that uh, people pick up games at random or as they're slowly getting interested in in different things or just trying just trying because for the sake of doing like new things on their channel and as they discover things they will cover the game intensively and for that people or developers get their promotion in um Kind of forcing that by hand will also make it less likely that they will discover things on their own and start promoting things that you might not know. Um, so having, especially for smaller games or games with a budget, um, having those content creators baked in is so much more important. Let's, For example, let's take Among Us, for example. That game was already out two years before it blew up again in 2020. If that one big streamer didn't pick it up, um, it wouldn't have caused this gigantic wave of other streamers and other content creators making content on it. Yeah, exactly. 
and the 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 funny part of the matter is is the dude works for Google who owns YouTube. It's like why on earth are you is is that the right expression to use in this case? Why are you trying to bite the hand that feeds you? You yeah. know? Yeah. Cuz you have content creators. They literally do this stuff for a living on your on on your platform, on your company's platform. And you're basically saying, well, actually, I think that they should be paying us, or at least the developers. Because, ah, go, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and uh, again, <laughs> the head of head of YouTube Gaming, Ryan Watts, said then the following: We believe that publishers and creators have a wonderful symbiotic relationship that allowed a thriving ecosystem to be created. One has been mutually benefited everyone. YouTube is focused on creating value for creators, publishers, and users. All ships rise when we work together. So basically, screw that guy, he said. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the guy's on his way out. He won't be working for Google for a long time anymore after this. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, that's a really out-of-touch take to have there, but... Yeah, people. Eh, there are all kinds of people in the industry, aren't there? Anyway, there were demos. <laughs> yes, there were demos. Um, I don't know if any of you guys played them. I played them for a little bit. Uh, the the Pac Man uh, Mega Battle is Battle Royale, as I said before. Uh, it's how does a well, do you have well, you know how Pac Man has these gates on the side on on the on the on the wow. I forgot the word for uh, maze. <laughs> On either sides of the maze, upside, up, down, whatever, they have these timed gates where you can pass through and get through other people's mazes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, you're still eating pellets. When you eat a super pellet or power pellet, you're able to eat ghosts, as always. But you can also eat other pack men. Yeah. Other pack men in the maze. Um, if they don't have a uh, if they don't have a power pellet, so they'll so they'll uh, die and then they'll respawn. Um, you have I think three lives per game and then it's game over and then you can spectate or leave. Um, so yeah, it's really weird. There's a lot of customizability, by the way. You can customize your own maze and your own Pac-Man with you know accessories and stuff like that um, that you can unlock. Um, it plays like Pac-Man. It's except there are I don't I don't even know what the player count is on that game. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's fun. Um, it's I mean it's Pac-Man. You kind of can't go wrong with Pac-Man for most for the most part. Um, played it with uh, with a keyboard and mouse. So I mean it's just four arrows. So it's very easy to play. Uh, if you want to play it again, it's free on uh, on Stadia. You don't even need to have a pro account for that. Uh, the same goes for Immortals: uh, Phoenix Rising, which I played it. Is pre- it's it's pre- it's pretty much what you expect from what you've already seen, <laughs> from what you've either read or heard from people. It's a lot like uh, Breath of the Wild. If Breath of the Wild was set in mythological greece i literally and had i said narration if it's made by the same team that made assassin's creed odyssey so if it's assassin's creed odyssey and breath of the wild had a baby 
that's literally Immortals Rising. At least it feels that way that Immortals Phoenix Rising is, is basically that. Yeah, it it mm. looks fine. It doesn't it I mean it has a nice art style. Um I I can't really speak for the controls because again I was playing on a uh, MacBook without a mouse. Mm -hmm. So so that so that offered a bit more of a challenge to play. Let's dive um, into the next segment because I also need to oh, Yeah. So I I don't know uh Dan did you play no. did you were you able to play any of these no. two? I don't even touch Stadia so <laughs> Don't worry we don't either but for this one I was like really curious about how that was going to play out so just mm. touch it up. Plus I was also curious more curious about Immortals anyways um in terms of how it plays again it almost felt like riding a bike um if the bike was a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, um, I'm, I kind of hope that they'll release a demo for other platforms as well, because uh, at least then you can uh, you know play with a regular controller and not have a problem with that. Um, a few more things that we want to touch on before we go to the next segment, because we had some um, really unexpected news drop from Nintendo, because apparently they like just dropping stuff on us and just saying, oh, here's this. And have a nice day. Bye. Because <laughs> um, they did that with uh, Fire Emblem. Uh, they just dropped this trailer with an announcement. I didn't. Nobody knew what what is what it was about. And then you watch the trailer, and they are bringing out a localized version of the original Fire Emblem on Switch. Here's the funny part: this announcement lock um, was leaked two hours beforehand, but almost nobody picked that up. Um, no, seriously? Yeah. I didn't... Wow, I didn't even... I, I, I retreated, I I retreated when that happened. So, uh, Nintendo's Korean website already leaked it. Ah. <laughs> uh, plus the price and everything. So, already, so we, I already knew that that was happening as soon as that trailer dropped. It's like, oh, yeah. So, that's the confirmation, I guess. Yeah. So, I, I think the, the price of it, if you're buying it digitally, is like, what, five bucks? It's six bucks. Yeah, six bucks. But they also have a 30th anniversary edition, Only which looks in America. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Oh, oh good grief! Uh, I think I'll have to ask someone to to like get it for me then. But Same. Uh, wow, that 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 set looks so amazing. Like the things that are in there is like, yeah, I kind of want that because that's a really beautiful collection. Yeah. So to have. if you don't know, because we have been kind of moving around this issue it's the it's the remake of a blade by shadow dragon and a blade by light um which is the original fire emblem game that released in 1990 in the original famicom um they're giving that for the very first time a translation i'm saying for the very first time because there was a ds remake of shadow dragon which we didn't yeah. get either um well i think it was only in the u.s no we didn't get it at all no Wait, really? No. It was Japan only? It was Japan only. And even then, huh. they cut half the chapters in that game. So, we're getting the full game now for the very first time. <laughs> oh, man. The, oh, the only thing that I don't get is why, why the Famicom version? Because they also have the Super Nintendo version that just was released on the Nintendo Online service. Um, in Japan, at least where they have the remake of the original one that came with the sequel to that story. Um, 
I feel that like that would have been a better choice, but I understand why they chose to do the Famicom version. Um, and it seems to be like a fresh um, uh, localization of the text. Yeah. They added a bunch of cool features to it uh, with like bookmarks, uh, bookmarks and, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, fast forward, you, you know, the, the feature that was in more recent Fire Emblem games where you can turn back uh, um, turns which is really handy and also speeding up the animations uh, so that you can go through the game a little the, bit. The quicker. problem that game is still kind of in a lot of ways, still rudimentary. Like it, it's, yeah. it, I would say the original Famicom version is still very enjoyable, better than a few others that came directly after. Um, but in a lot of ways and how you were so far the strategy and how the maps are concerned, um, it's still really harsh and really down to that Famicom esque challenge. Um, yeah. which is why they likely included bookmarks and everything, but still at the same time, um, it's not an easy game. I I played it in Japanese when I so I have most of the because I'm a big Fireman fan. I have most of the original Famicom games in mint boxes. Oh wow! Cool. Um, so I have them not here, but in my um in my um. In my room, in my sleep room, not in the office, um, in my bedroom. Um, but um, but it's there. It, it's they're they're so difficult a game. They're incredibly difficult, and they don't really take any chances on you. They don't give you a lot of leeway to make your own decisions like the more, more modern Fire Emblem games do. Um, so it's a lot of stuff that you need to keep in mind. It's very rudimentary strategy action. It's good. It's still very yeah. enjoyable, but don't expect the game to give you any leeway whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I I was curious to see because I, I because this is going to be a game where there's a lot of um, outside of the stuff that they added. There's still a lot of uh, quality of life stuff that was added later into the series that are still not in this game. No. So I wonder if newer fans who pick this up are going to enjoy it as much as they think they might. Yeah, here's my here's my problem. So, uh, a couple of years ago, they remake the second Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem Gaiden, into Fire Emblem Echo Shadows of Valencia, which was a mm-hmm. tremendous remake. They, they did everything in their power to make that game uh, A, give more leeway, and make it more enjoyable, B. Um, I wonder... Why did it didn't just make it into another Fire Emblem Echoes game? Because I think it because it, well, I think it's more because Echoes was a speci- They said at least specifically when they when they announced that one is that that Echoes, uh, if they were to continue that brand of Fire Emblem games, it would focus on games that um, were are outside of the original timeline. Um, or not, games that never not, came out of Japan. I don't Japan. think that's what they ever said, though. No? Well, no. When they said Echoes, Echoes is a way for us to bring back Fire Emblem games that didn't give the attention it deserved. And I will say that, oh, ah, obviously, okay. the original Fire Emblem game got a little more attention because it was the first, obviously. And, and yeah. that's part of the main canon together with Marth. Um, yeah. That being said... Most of the world never played that game before, so who cares? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of hope. I kind of hope that they'll still do more echoes. Um, they should. I, I honest like one of the one of the games from Fire Emblem that I would really like to tackle is uh, Thracia uh, Seven Thirty Three. They should um, have done that. Maybe I don't know. They should have done that instead because I think if they did that in the Three Houses aesthetic, I think people would be like all over it. Or the I think or that, that one shit as a be- Valencia aesthetic was also pretty darn good, to be honest. Yeah, that one's all. Yeah. That one also looked really good. I got pretty far into that one, didn't finish it quite yet. Yeah, but it, uh, but the way they changed up because um, uh, Fire Emblem Gaiden was such a weird game with the dungeons and stuff. And the way they adopted that to a modern 3DS game was actually really impressive. Yeah. Um, and I think doing that for like other games in the series will be equally impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the hoping to that, but yeah. uh, at least this holiday season is full of interesting, weird, and surprising stuff. At least coming from Nintendo. And it's going to uh, be out for four months. What the heck? <laughs> Wait, seriously? I yeah. missed that one. Yeah, it's a limited release until 31st of March 2021. Okay, there's something going on after the 31st of March for Nintendo. Yeah, because it's, it's the reset the of their there. financial year. That's what's going on. <laughs> They're just making everything uh, poof disappear on like all the Mario stuff and this Fire Emblem um, translation on March 31st yeah. because it's the end of their financial year. Uh, can we like put out a petition or something for Nintendo to stop doing that? <laughs> like I, I really don't get why they're doing that. Like honestly, um, neither do I. It's a game that we've never played before. Why should that only be available for four months? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds like they're, and I've said it before, like kind of artificially forcing people to. I wouldn't say forcing people, but they're like artificially jacking up sales. Because they're like, oh, you can only buy for four months, and then a lot of people will buy it more. How do you jack up sales on a digital game? Don't do that. (laughs) By basically making it exclusive for four months and then just taking it away. Oh, no. The same thing with Mario 35. That makes no sense. I don't know why they're doing this. I mean, can... why would you release a game for a couple of months and then just... I mean, it's not like Nintendo has not done this before. They also did it with a... DSiWare only version of the Le- of Four Swords from Legend of Zelda, the, yeah, the multiplayer they game. They only made that available during the entire Zelda anniversary, then it made it disappear again. Hi. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that was a year, but still, it still makes no sense for them to do it because oh, no, it, wasn't it wasn't a digital year, it was only game. Wait, that was eight months. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. What is time? <laughs> well, what was time in 2020 anyway? It's like an illusion. Exactly. I yeah. Still though, that was that's I I don't get that I don't get why they keep doing that. Um, it, it, especially if it's a digital only thing. Like, what's the harm in letting it ride? Yeah. Especially considering that most Nintendo titles are always evergreen titles. People will always pick them up no matter when. Yeah. Yeah. Can I at least just say that passionately about our I I don't play those games. Switch, but for a, for an outsider, it's it's really nice to hear you just being passionate about it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. 
All right, guys, uh, I think we're going to wrap up news segment for that because it's been a pretty long one. We're going to go into the next segment. So stick around and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. And we're back with the second segment, as always, what we've been playing. Um, I want to give the honors to our guest today, Dan. What have yes. you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a number of things. Uh, first of all, I finished Crash 4. Um, and my lord, Crash 4 is really gosh darn good. Really? Um, yeah. I'm really surprised by that. Um, I obviously had hopes that it would be good because the developers who made this Toys for Bob have experience in making platforming games. So it's clear that they gave it to a competent developer. Um, But the sheer ingenuity of that game, how the levels are designed, and the purely the things that you can do are so much fun. Um, They have tons of variety of characters that you can play next to Crash. Uh, you have the the masks mechanic, which allows you to uh, do various uh, little things in the environment, like change up the gravity, allow for more higher jumps, or and, and in some cases you even need to switch between them for like really insane moves. Um, and even if you complete all the levels, you have then a second run where they completely changed up the the way that the levels look. For like these really interesting designs, for example, you're in one level it's all shadows until you very close walk to them. In another, it's completely uh, fluid in color, where it's going all over the place, um, and it's it's so much fun. Uh, the only thing that I honestly didn't really enjoy as much are the boss battles. Um, compared to the levels, I don't think they are as intuitive as the rest of the game doesn't necessarily mean they're super bad or anything. I just think they're the low point in for the rest. A pretty flawless game, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, what do you... Th- uh, the the characters, because you can play as multiple characters. You can play as Crash. Um, you can play as... Dr. Oh Cortez, goodness. yeah. Dr. Cortez. Um, Dingo Dial. Yeah. And I keep forgetting his sister's name. Um... Why am I coming state back to Tootsie in my mind? That's <laughs> that's Banjo that's Banjo's uh, sister. Um dang it, I forget I forget what the character's name is. Um are do they feel like distinctly different to play? Absolutely. Um for example, um Yeah, here's the thing. Like for example, Doctor Doctor Cortez can uh, change all his enemies in like um, cushion cushions, which you jump up on, and and Tuana um, actually use a grappling hook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a character, and I don't want to spoil it because it's such a cool moment. It has like this Luigi mansion like um, vacuum vacuum um, sucking machine. Oh, okay. Um, so there, there, there's so much. Once again, there's so much ingenuity in how that game is designed and how you set it up and how enjoyable the levels is. 
obviously there's still a ton of collecting because it's a crash game. Um, you don't necessarily have to focus on that until you really have to. And I'd rather do that. Like I'd rather let the actual design of the level sink in. And I think it's far more enjoyable that way. Like if I would go purely for collecting everything, I don't think I would have as much of a good time with it. But because I'm going for the motions and enjoying what these what they created in the levels from moment to moment, it's so good. It's so good. Um but it's it feels like a total package and I think that's the, the purity of it. Like some games um you're you're arbitrarily focused on getting certain elements to get to the end of the game. Here it just feels all natural and everything just doesn't feel like filler. Um it's it's a platform again through and through and honestly that's what I really enjoy about it. Like they from a technical perspective how the levels flow, the the quantum mask mechanic where you have different abilities from time to time. It all makes for a very appealing package. And I honestly feel like, and this is just my opinion, I think it's the best Crash game. Wow. Wow, that's a, that's a big thing to say, considering that there have been multiple before. Um, like, is there... Okay, so before Crash 4, which one would you say would have been your favorite? At that point, I think Crash Two. Huh? People really tend to say Crash Two. That, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just that it's it's interesting to see because that means that two, to a lot of people, had probably the best gameplay and the most interesting designs, like level wise. Right. Um, which is which is good. Um, because you want you know because you want your your at least yeah. your sequel to be more interesting than the first game. And they've been honestly on a roll lately with how they remade the original three Crash games with um, Crash Tag Team Racing and now this. Yeah. They, they've been really making strides in making Crash feel important again, especially with making a game that's so well-polished like this. Um, like, I cannot say I cannot say anything bad about it. It's It's a really fun game. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, anything else you've been playing? Yeah, there are two more things. Uh, first of all, um, let's start with Mario Kart Live. Oh, wow. You picked it up. I picked both versions. I played them by my dad over last weekend. Oh, how did... Cool, because I haven't, like, heard anybody talk about the multiplayer aspect of it. How did that go? Uh, you just connect, uh, two switches to get over local communication, and you just race against each other. One person can make the track, and the other person doesn't have to do stuff. So, uh, the thing is, with Mario Kart Live, you can make a track around your house with um, four gates scattered across everywhere, as long as it's in range. And which that's a pretty good range, I, I say. Um, so you make a, a track around your house or an open space, and and after that, you just race against one another on those tracks, which has um, so. Once you made a track, you can put in various overlays that are based on like uh, Mario Kart tracks or Mario entities, and there are in total twenty four overlays in total, um, which changes how the gates work, which items will appear, um, which enemies you fight, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and there are some really crazy ones in there. Obviously, you have to, you have the usual ones like Rainbow Road. 
uh, Moo Moo Meadows, that sort of stuff. But you also have like one that's based on the eight bit Mario games. It's called literally called World One One, where <laughs> all where all the sprites and everything is just based on the original Super Mario Bros. One One level. Um, it, it's so goofy and well pronounced. It's really well made, and all the coins are made into eight bit coins or what have you. It's super fun. Um, how's the how's the feel of it? Like, it's, in terms it's of honestly playing. feels really good. It feels immediate. So how um, the card and switch connection works, it's so usually when you do local connection, it would make this local Wi-Fi signal. Um, it, it makes one between you over Bluetooth with the card. And then the Wi-Fi signal is used for local multiplayer. So it, it sends out basically two signals at the same time. And for some reason, it just really holds up really well. Like the, the, the action between the cart and the switch is pretty immediate. Um, it, it makes it more difficult depending on the CC you use. So it goes all the way up to 200 CC. Uh, 50 CC is the way that people should play first and see how they get a feel for it. Because it, at the first moment, it's pretty distracting to look both at your screen and at the cart where, where it's riding. Because obviously when you look at the screen, you can also control the items and everything. But the first yeah. two times... You also always always feel the need to look at your shoulder and see what the card is doing. <laughs> um, but no, no matter what Nintendo magic, yeah, yeah. yeah but no matter what you do, like no matter if you do it from the screen or from the card, it there's barely any lag there. Like it it, it immediately feels immediate. Um, and I think that's the most magic thing about it. Like the the latency between the card and the switch is almost non-existent. Yeah. Wow. Is it um, far, uh, rechargeable battery or do you put in battery? It's a rechargeable battery. So it uses the same USB-C connection as everything else on Switch. Oh, nice. Yeah. How long does it last? Uh, on 200 TC, it lasts about uh, two hours. Oh, that's good. Uh, it lasts an hour more if you do it on the lowest difficulty, so 50 TC. Um. But, um, yeah, I usually get your fill in those two hours, and then you charge it again for the USB cable and switch, so it's fine, you know? Oh. Um, but, yeah, uh, I've been mostly just playing it with my dad, who's a big racing buff, and we're just having the greatest time making stupid tracks. I hope you didn't have pets that were kind of like, what's going on here? Uh, at the beginning we did, but then we moved to a different area, so we didn't really have to to uh, take care of them anymore. Yeah, that's that seems to be the general consensus because you see a lot of people have cats or dogs, and they're like, "Oh, what's going on here? Why is this little thing running around over and over again?" Yeah, and I think it's also pretty pretty cool to really see like people making custom undergrounds for their Mario Kart tracks and laying some cool designs out. But we've just playing straight up, putting all the ports down making like a little corner so we have to ride our carts through them and just having a blast uh, making it all happen so it's it's a really good time um mario kart is just simply magic it feels weird to to play and it's weird how it works um but it's a lot of fun when you put it in motion is it a way to share the tracks like upload it or something no 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 it's purely it's it's purely made for a local multiplayer experience right Mm. um so you can share the tracks if you are together in a multiplayer match. So only one person has to make the track because basically when you first have to make the track, you have to go for all the all the gates and then go back to the beginning. It has to be a loop. 
no matter what you do. And I like the song, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but once you finish the track, it sends out a signal to the other maximum of other free racers, so they already know that the track exists. Wow, it sounds really cool and impressive from a technical point of view. I mean, I didn't expect it to work so smoothly, mainly because in the past, when, when you were growing up as a kid, it would take hours to charge the battery. Sure. There would always be hit and miss, and this just sounds well thought off. And time, but you know, it's for. I mean, it gets me excited, and excited Nintendo fan out there. <laughs> Uh, the final thing that I played then is the second Pokemon DLC. Ah, uh, the Tundra Crown. The Crown Tundra. Yeah, Crown Tundra. I haven't is... picked up the DLC yet, so yeah, how's that been for you? So, uh, yeah, the second map is mostly a snowy based map based on the highlands of Scotland. Um, but um, it's 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 very interesting. So, uh, this DLC is focused on two important key, well, actually three key areas. The first key area are Dynamax Adventures. So this is a series of of max raid battles. So you fight with up to four people in the same lobby, and you instead of one battle where you go into a den across the overworld map, you go into a series of battles where you use a rental Pokemon, not your own, a rental yeah. Pokemon, and try to defeat a series of Pokemon opponents, which ends in a, in a legendary Pokemon battle. So a Mewtwo, or a or a Palkia, or one of the those the the big legendary ones. Yeah. Um, along the way, you can exchange your Pokemon for the ones you've captured along the way. Uh, or at a scientist that will give you the option to swap your Pokemon right there and then. Um, it, it, this is very technical because you need to decide along the way what's your best option. So you know at the end, you only know at the end what the typing is, so flying, psychic, or what have you. So along the way, you have to pick up maybe a Pokemon that has the appropriate moves that can defeat them. Um which it it takes a lot of planning in that sense. Um, you can do it with with free AI controlled um, players, but I prefer to do it with actual humans because they usually make somewhat smarter decisions in which Pokemon they use and how they move along across the map. So um, that has been really fun because basically they brought back every legendary from the previous Pokemon games. Uh, so you can uh, basically. Um, take your own time with it. Take take your strategy and have a lot of fun. And also, if you don't necessarily want a legendary or want some of the other Pokemon you captured along the way, you can do that too. It, it's all it's always up to you because um, you can only capture one of one, each legendary, but you can cap endlessly of any other Pokemon that you can catch. Oh, okay. Um, so it's 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 a risk reward thing, which is very nice. Um, um, if you played it enough, there's also an option to unlock an endless. Dynamax Adventure Battle, uh, which gives you a lot of um, a currency that you can use to unlock special items and what have you. So if you uh, just want purely want to go for the experience, you can do that too. Uh, the second part is that there are specific legendaries on the Count Trunder map. Obviously, you have over like 80 Pokemon that returned from previous games to catch on the main map. Um, but there also are legendaries, including like the 
uh, the Reggie, the Reggie Ice, the Reggie Steel, what have you. And there's a the choice between two new Reggie Pokemon that they never made before. Oh. There's a Dragon and there's an Electric Reggie now. Um, and the from a competitive standpoint, uh, it seems that like the electri- Electricity Reggie is already broken. <laughs> Wait, broken how? It has 200 base speed. Whoa. So like wow, oh, that's it has cool. it is now the speediest Pokemon, even speedier than the speed form of the Yoxus. <laughs> okay, so uh, I I think I see uh, bad Pokemon in the future of Pokemon. Turnout. Yes, <laughs> uh, and the other Pokemon is a dragon, which I got because I I like the design of it. To be honest, yeah, I um, think I've, I think I've seen like some screenshots of that one. Is yeah. it the one with the? With the dragon head on the side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there are uh, the three, um, the four spirit warriors from uh, Black and White. Um, you also have like a new deer legendary, which is pretty cool, which rides on a horse. And there are two different types of horses as well. There's a ghost horse or an ice horse that you can choose from. So it, does, it doesn't depend on which version of the game you have? No, you have to Ooh, nice. plant a carrot in a specific spot on the map, and that's how you decide which one you get. Okay. Um, and then they have also Galarian forms of the three legendary birds from the from the from red and blue the original games from red and blue, which have yeah. new types and uh, typings and everything. And Sebdos is basically Chocobo. <laughs> I saw that. Oh man, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Those those are my favorite additions that I'm that I'm looking forward to when I get the DLC. Because back then, the the legendary birds really carried me through the the Indigo League. So it'd be, it'd be nice to have them back in the game and having to uh, train them all. Fun, over funny again. enough, the regular versions of the legendary birds are in Dynamax Adventure, so you can get both. <laughs> Ooh, you can have a whole wow! Because again. You, yeah, because that makes six versions of them. Yeah. Wait, am I saying that? Yeah, yeah. six. Yeah, so, yeah. You can have so an entire party of legendary birds. birds. Nice. And I think because of their typing, they should be able to complement one another. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and then the final part um, next to the entire exploring of the map, because there's always other Pokemon to catch. Uh, then the final part of the of the new DLC is called the Galarian Star Tournament which allows you to play in double battles with any character you met during the main main adventure or the two DLC parts. Um, at, at the first time you play it, it's very story-driven, so you only have the option of like three different partners you can choose from. But as you then complete it, you unlock more partners to play with, and you also get continuous rewards for trying it again with different partners. Okay, that's uh, good. And the first time you finish it, you get like a million Poké Dollars or something crazy. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, but, actually, but, that's a good incentive. But yeah, there are also, for subsequent playthroughs, you also get like a bunch of additional balls. Like the first time you played for the first time you played for a different character, you get 100 additional Poké Balls. <laughs> yeah. But so there are um, incentives to keep you trying with different partners and see what the dialogue options are and what have you. So it, yeah, it's it's really fun. I uh, the DLC is actually very enjoyable. I think it's far better than the first DLC pack. To be completely frank with you, and with the, all the huh. stuff they've added and the fun stuff that you can do, especially Dynamax Adventures in the Star Tournament, is a yeah. really good time. Okay, good to know. Yeah, thanks. 
Um, Sean Templar, what have you been playing? Uh, I haven't been playing a lot, so played uh, like my usual Call of Duty, Baldur's Gate, Warzone. I played uh, a match of Warzone. Warzone has this Halloween update that's been brought out, so it's all around content, and you have these own Halloween characters. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the character from Texas the Chainsaw game. Massacre is that yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the, um, the puppet from uh, Saw is in there. The one that says, "Hey, do you want to play a game?" Uh, he's in there. You can play as a character uh, skin. One. Um, it's cool that they've added a new Warzone mode um, with all the Warzone zombies, I believe. So then you play in the map. The map is Gdansk is night. Um, if you get killed by an enemy team, you turn into a zombie, and then you either have to kill enemies or enemy players to recover um, kind of a vaccine. So you can, if you collect two of them, you can come back as a human. So like these antivirals that are floating around. So if you collect two of them, you, you can respawn as a uh, human character again. You're back in the game. Or when you're a zombie, you get taken out by enemy players, such as guns. Then it's game over. <laughs> no gulag, no thing. You can just spectate. The funny thing is, it introduces a a, a, a a funny mechanic in that if one of your teammates turns into a zombie, well, you can't shoot him because he's your teammate, but he can kind of help you because he has extra abilities. He has this super high jump. He can cause an EMP shock. He can throw gas mask, and he has a, a gas, and he has um a, a UAV that's constantly on, so he can see where all the players are. So basically, what we do is when one of us turns into a zombie. We're steering our team through all those enemy players and saying, okay, stop, there's a group here, so you need to go the other direction. Or, hey, uh, maybe you should go into that direction or wait, or there's an enemy there. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they're also trying to get back into the game. Um, but it adds a different kind of experience to the game. It's a, it's a timed event, so it expires in 10 days, I believe. And there's some really cool skins and, and blueprints and unique things that you get for your, uh, your uh, characters. There's some more content in there. We've just played this one. It's limited to three players, whereas the other one was four. Um, so I've I've played Warzone. It's it's really fun. We also, by chance, won another match in Warzone. So we were just casually playing in the first match, and it turned out to be a Warzone victory. So we were completely surprised and happy, like, oh no, we won! Because I mean, if you played Warzone, you know it's really hard to win. At least it's played casually. Uh, so that was really nice. After that, we bought that. Hmm. <laughs> um yeah so I've, I've been playing some warzone and um i've also been playing um portals phoenix rising i, I found out actually today the stadia demo is there so i just thought oh, let me hook up my pc it works and then you love it works and then you put in your playstation controller the game shows all the playstation uh controls as well um controls don't make a lot of sense i mean for example, R1 is a light attack and R2 is a heavy attack. Because huh. I would rather have it be like a kind of with God of War, a square or triangle maybe. That would make more sense. Um, I haven't found a way or I haven't looked at a way to maybe revamp the controller so I can tap it. So I don't know if it's in there or not. Um, I'm using this, the normal version of Stadia. So it's 1080p. Looks okay. Uh, yeah, you can, you can remap your buttons. I did that for the keyboard. Oh, nice. Good. So, yeah. Um, and uh, as I said, it really feels like this combination between 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild. There's even a stamina meter when you want to climb on things because they basically put the Assassin's Creed parkour system into that with a stamina meter so you don't climb on top of everything. Um, uh, really Breath of the Wildy. Um, I mean, yeah, but does it have towers? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't because know. That's the funny thing. Because because the, the, there's a pretty big chunk of the map you can go to. Mm-hmm. No, there is one tower. There's a hub where you where you um go off to the different parts of the of the map. So there's that. one, and it's a central one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Ubisoft tower, everybody. <laughs> now that you mention it, I don't think I can play a Ubisoft game anymore without this train of thought with towers and constantly <laughs> looking out for one. So thanks for that. Tower, towers and constant checkpoints. That That's the staple of the Ubisoft video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the game so far. I mm. just don't know if it will be... I mean, like, fighting the enemies, it's not really a hard challenge. I played on normal and I get to die as a character. So it feels like the characters are just, the enemies are just standing around waiting for um, and it it's funny that the game kind of mocks itself by that. Um, basically, the story is that you are a immortal, and you you end up on an island that's basically kind of like Olympus, where all the gods are and where everything's happening. And then the game is narrated by Zeus and Prometheus, which are gods mythology that are basically telling their own versions of how things happened, and they're constantly mocking each other and making fun of things. Um, it is a, a unique take, I would say, but hmm. um, I don't know if this is one of those games that, I mean, it's coming out in December. It's coming out in a pretty crowded period. I don't know if this game will well, get... it comes out after the crowded period, to be completely frank. Yeah, but like, I wonder if, if it's coming out December 3rd, I believe, but yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting next-gen consoles. We're getting games for those next-gen consoles. I wonder if people will have money to spend on this game after they've bought a next-gen console and Spider-Man. Or... I mean, it's also it's also coming out on Switch, and Switch owners, while they also have games in November, I still think they have some money left in come December. For Switch owners, I think it'll be I just wonder if it'll yeah. be a good. I mean, like if you're a current-gen gamer, you don't plan on upgrading. There are plenty Maybe. of those because it's already sold out. So yeah, yeah. but but then again, you still have. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Wait, it is? You have Watch Dogs Legion. What? Like but, Immortals is already sold out. No, no, no. Next gen consoles. Oh right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, if you yeah. have to, if you have to pick one game, you can buy this holiday season. Would right. You go for Immortals, or would you go for Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Watch Dogs Legion? Right. To be fair, we're all, we're also the type of people that pick up multiple video games a year, and that's yeah. that's even a rarity in that sense. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I that's why kind of think. Will people buy this game if they can only spend their hard-earned 60 euros once? Or if there are other... Yeah, and the, the problem is we also live in a world where, mm-hmm. like, once again, games like God of War and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild already exist. Yeah. So I, I think this game would have maybe done get gotten more of its... I think it would have more made more sense to release this game in, in a January or a February, maybe, in Maybe period, then it might get the proper exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, it, it's fun to try. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Right. And um, besides that, I've been playing Among Us. 
again. Uh, I played uh, a few matches uh, throughout the week. I played one yesterday that I've told uh, Maximilian this that I, I, there was a I played with a specific group, and when we, one day we were playing a couple of matches, and three or four matches in a row, I was the imposter. That kind of hurt my credibility. So now every match, something funny happens or odd, they automatically accuse me, mm-hmm. and uh, nine out of the ten times I get ejected, and then I turn out to be the crewmate. And so yesterday I was playing playing a match, and I was the imposter, and I I made a kill. I'm running around, and the kill gets reported, and somebody says, "Hey, I found his body in storage." And another person automatically sh- sa- says, "It's John Templar. You did it. I know it." And I'm like, "What? Why? Based on what?" So I really, really had to put effort into it to kind of throw that suspicion off of me. And then I said, "You know what? It's pretty sus that you're constantly talking. You're constantly saying with full doubt, with with full." without conviction that it's me maybe it's you maybe it's a self-report i mean it, that's possible and then eventually they um, voted him out hmm. as well which completely turned the game and then i won the game eventually by pulling off a kill so my problem with among us now is that people know what my current strategy is ah. so, so when, I, when i'm the imposter i struggle to figure out what really what to say so i need to Figure out my di- my dialogue tree as I go along while playing as an <laughs> imposter role. Um, when I am a crewmate, I can immediately mention the last five tasks that I did, so everybody fr- immediately throws their suspicion away. Ah, yeah. So during my out. last uh, imposter run, which was on Monday, I uh, I basically did the same thing I would do as a crewmate, and basically list like. So you have these list of face ta- fake tasks. I would keep those open and would do it the same way I would do normal tasks. So it's throw, to throw basically throw any suspicion off of me the same way I would usually would. And I won three out of my four imposter rounds. Let's go, baby. Nice. Wow, nice. Yeah, that, that was basically the tip I was going to give. So like, do what you do as a crewmate while you play as an imposter. Because, you know, that's... Or when you're together with somebody and you're the imposter... Don't kill them because then they'll say like, "Oh, but hey, he could have killed me, but he didn't." So you kind of create that mm. trust. That yeah. really worked as well. Uh, totally. Yeah. Uh, and besides that, I think yeah, I mean, this is being nostalgic. I I was cleaning up uh, some stuff and I found my old Xbox. Oh. And, uh, it, it still works and the battery is still just working fine. I'm surprised. And uh, I had Gran Turismo in it, so I, I played a few races of Gran Turismo. And then y- yesterday I was out in town and I saw this uh, used electronic store. So I'm like, let me check what they had. So when they had uh, Killzone Liberation and God of War versus Sparta, they were both uh, one euro something Metal Gear. <laughs> oh, and, no. uh, yeah, and, and I wanted to buy Metal Gear Acid because that's the first game I played on PSP. So it's like one of my favorite games on that. So I asked the guy, like, hey, do you have it? It says on the site that you should have it here. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked and looked. What you can buy Killzone and God of War for one euro something. Like, hey man, thanks, you know. So I played some uh, God of War on the PSP, and it's it's it hasn't aged well. It's completely different than what I remember when I bought the PSP because mm. at the time it was amazing. And and I mean you can't compare it to anything now because we have Switches and 3DSs and all those things. And I I mean the screen is super small, so you have to hold it really close to your face and like wow yeah when i had a switch i could comfortably relaxly play this or hook it up to my tv dock it and play it so 
I've been going down on this nostalgic memory lane trip, which is really fun. Um, I still hope I can find so, it. So the, the more of the story, get a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I'm gonna He's honest. had it twice, by I've the way. I've had it twice, yeah. <laughs> the only, and maybe you can help me out with this. My issue is that I love Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's the first Zelda game I've ever played. I love it. I've never finished it, but I love it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I got past, uh, eventually like, I want to try other stuff. And then all the other games that I'm looking were looking was looking at was already available on PS4, and it was cheaper on PS4 because I don't know why but you but... buy a Nintendo console for Nintendo games. I know, but I mean, I'm not a huge. Some of the games just didn't appeal to me, so it was like I need to find. A way uh, to didn't they appeal to you because they didn't look nice from a distance, or you didn't try them? Um, they didn't look like from a distance. Like the only game I might have wanted to buy is Luigi's Mansion because that I played on the GameCube. Here, here's 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 the thing that I learned from playing video games for this long, is that you need to get out of your comfort zone. If you're ded- dedicated to buy a console, you should try games that maybe you didn't know you wanted to play, uh, but you should look into them nonetheless because they might surprise you regardless. Um. That's a really good point because I've been doubting to buy a Switch Lite maybe the past couple of days. I've almost done it. So like, I'm gonna buy a Switch Lite, and I'm not gonna buy Zelda. I'm gonna buy Mario Odyssey, for example, and yeah. uh, Luigi's Mansion. So I'm like, I'm on the border of doing it, but I'm yeah. kind of saying like, yeah, but I'm afraid. But I do this on all cons, not just Nintendo, right? Like, if yeah. you would, because up to five years ago, and I will be completely honest with this, I never played a first-person shooter. Wow. Like I, I, uh, I even skipped uh, Goldeneye 007, the Wii version, because I, I wasn't, I was just not really into first-person shooters. That's the truth about it. Video game of the year. No. <gasps> what? Wow. Okay. I what? only, I only played it two years ago. Oh my god! Oh, wow. That how was, how was, what was that like? Yeah. That experience? Yeah. It it still felt pretty interesting. I quite liked it. But here's the thing. Back then, I was so focused on Pokemon and Mario. I didn't see anything else. Yeah. And up and then since like 2006, I gradually expanded my horizons, I feel. Um, and it has done me so good because ba- there's barely a genre of video games that I actively dislike now. Like if If people say this game is good, it's like, okay. I'll try it. Fine. Okay. Fair enough. Is it free to play? Then I will try it immediately. If it's a small price, I will, I will put it on the wish list. If it's like sixty bucks, we'll wait for a sale. I mean, I've, ha- I've had an Xbox in the past. I've had a Switch in the past. But generally, the reason why I like PlayStation games is that games just appeal to me more because they're because they're pretty diverse, um, and it feels like I kind of feel guilty when I had a Switch that I didn't. It that much, so it was just around there. So I kind of that's fair. This, yeah, I had this guilt trip when I got okay, but I have a Switch, brand new. I would play Zelda on it, and now I haven't touched it for two weeks, and that's kind of the reason why eventually I just thought, like, okay, but it's a game, so I don't really need to play it. But I mean, what you're absolutely right, maybe I should try it, try, try games out of my comfort zone. Thanks. Yeah, and I, and I say this as a recommendation to anybody. It doesn't matter which platform you play or which you prefer. You should try playing games that don't necessarily appeal to you, but you haven't really tried before. 
Um, because yeah, I I always struggled with first person games. I struggled with it for the full for the longest time to see the appeal of them. Um, especially first person shooters. The rest first party games, first person games I did play. Um, I just didn't see the appeal of that particularly. I did play a lot of third person games, like I played a lot of Gears, for example. But for some reason, I couldn't get into first person games. Um. And I think that that games like Mirror's Edge, for example, like really changed my mind about that. Yeah, and I recommend like if you never tried tried a certain genre before, try to at least try a game that's really good in a genre and see if it appeals to you. Because at the very least, you have that experience, and experience makes you wiser. Yeah, true that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but for both Nintendo guys, Switch Lite or normal? Oh, that's a toughie. Mm. That's a that's actually a really tough decision. Actually, I haven't been able to get a definitive answer because I know like you can't dock uh, one. If you will play on a Switch, how much would you play on a television compared to handheld mode? I don't think it would affect anything. I think I I have a PS4 Pro and I can only do that on the TV, so I don't know any better. I mean. When I had the Switch, I would play some in bed, but I would also hook it up to the TV, so I'm afraid I'm gonna miss out I'm gonna miss that mm. Do you do you play like at least uh back in the day, do you pl- did you play like a lot of games on portable consoles on like on your way to work or to school or whatever? I, uh, because for me, for example, um during I uh, really weird to say, but during the Wii U era, the three DS was my go to. Like for everything, even though I owned a PlayStation Three and uh, later a PlayStation Four, that was my go-to for like a really long time until the Switch came out. And there were like the 3DS has a lot of great games, and you know the Wii U had a lot of great games. Unfortunately, nobody played them. Um, And they mostly all on Switch now for the most part. So (laughs) exactly. So at least they got a lease on life. But for a really long time, I was a portable gamer. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the Switch really appealed to me, um, to have the ability to play wherever you want right. and it's still like that console experience. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you, you're you a console gamer and you'd like to play things on your big 4K TV screen, I'd say go for the regular version. If you feel that um, you'd probably be playing it more on the go, I'd say go for light. Yeah. I think that that's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's i don't know what to say i mean I've seen, because i've only seen the switch light in person once and i feel like the screen quality is not as good as, uh, it's, as i think regular. it's a bit more crisper than the regular switch to be honest you have a switch light yeah yeah, yeah I, it is a bit crisper uh, i have the, the pokemon edition Oh, nice. Ooh, I saw that one. I saw that one on sale, like at a resale. Uh, for a for store. podcast listeners, I'm showing it right now on camera. Oh, that looks really nice. Oh, it really is nice. Okay, do you use it often, or do you use? It I use it very often. Yeah. Do you uh, when you miss when you when you're using it? Do you miss it to hook it up to the TV, or is it more? Not, like not, not really. No, because I, I totally see it as a portable console, so. Once again, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I haven't played handheld games in years. Maybe mm-hmm. because I'm used to 
Uh, well, is, yeah, you said they didn't play in any years. So you recently played a PSP. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see flawed logic. I will point it. Uh, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Sasiar. But I, I have this. He's saucy, fender than an electric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I was just like that in, uh, in the storage. And, uh, uh, so, uh, the, the one uh, task that. Uh, 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 so, uh, the thing is, is I think. It's a thought I have in my mind that when I'm, if I were to buy a Switch Lite, I might miss out on the the TV experience. But then maybe that's again, true. it's they, that that comfort zone thing again. Maybe you should just commit to like, okay, but this is a portable console. Right. This is the only way I can play it. So I should yeah. accept that this is the way to play it, and then I won't have that afterthought like, oh no, I can only hook it up to my TV. Because when I used to play handheld games, like for example on my PSP at the time, I would just lie on my bed and play it in bed. So That's maybe true. I kind of get used to that idea again. Mm. There's also the rumor of like a Switch Pro next year, so we also need to take that in consideration. I, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm hold off to that. I don't know. It's just maybe. so much... Ah! It's, it's, it's difficult. I know. It's, it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, I have a PS5 pre-order, so I mean... Ah! I think you should focus on that first. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe ch- the Switch games don't go anywhere, right? Yeah. Like Except this- the most 35 game, 35 edition games that go away in one day. Well, you, you, yeah. you could buy that collection on a cartridge and already have it when the moment you get a Switch again. Yeah. yeah. That's what I did with uh, Persona 4 Golden. I got that, I think, a year before I even... No, not a year. Maybe less than that, but still... I had played Persona 4 Golden on Vita for a really long time before I actually picked up a Vita. So. Well, at least you've given me some insights. Thank you for that, Dan. No worries um, at all. Yeah. 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 I, uh, that's basically what I've been playing. So um, I, uh, I would say I will leave the remainder of my time. Or I... <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i'm just gonna go quickly through what i've been playing because it's not been really a lot mm-hmm. um i've been playing spider-man again uh a little bit more um through uh, uh remote play which uh i finally was able to uh get my controller so it's a way better experience than playing with the back touch panel on the vita um I've also um I also uh played uh, Taiko no Touch Gene again on my Switch. Nice. Because they released they released uh an I think it was a, a one year anniversary uh playlist with some uh, really really fun uh, anime uh, anime songs that I played back when I was in Japan like in 2018 on the uh, arcade version. I was like, "Oh, I was missing these songs." So I it's 5 bucks. Downloaded it, played it, had a really fun time. Um, they added a bunch of new features because I haven't picked it up in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's this versus mode that they added yeah. where you play against either the CPU or a second player, which is really fun um, because you can send junk to uh, the other person's uh, yeah, they added uh, drum the bat- line. They added the battle mode, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the regular, the, the regular co-op mode was already there, but they added the versus mode now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, playing those those uh, new songs was really fun. Uh, testing my dexterity with it a bit um, was uh, was fun. It, it took me a while to remember the the controls for it a bit, 
um, because I'm playing with the buttons. I tried playing it with just the Joy-Cons and motion control, but for some reason, it's not registering as it should, so I'm not sure yeah, I, there's something I, wrong with my Joy-Cons. I, I usually play it either with the drums or with the Pro Controller. Oh, man, I tried to find the drums. I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, I think it's still fun with a Pro Controller regardless, or with a, with a regular control scheme, yeah. especially if you put it in the higher difficulties. Yeah, exactly. Well, my my one of my like gamer dreams is to own a, a Taiko Notachijin uh, arcade machine and just <laughs> load it up with all the songs that they ever put out. Because yeah. I'm gonna be like that was my that was one of the more fun times I had in Japan playing that, um, going to a to a, a Sega club and just playing that for like a half hour, playing different most mostly the same song, trying to perfect perfect it and then moving on to the next difficulty. Nice. Um, so I've been playing that. Um, yeah, that's kind of basically what I've been playing. So I played a little bit more of, uh, uh, I tried season two of, uh, Fall Guys and the new, the the new mini games were just so off the wall and literally uh, you had to hang, cling on walls. (laughs) Oh, I didn't get that one. Luckily, I haven't I haven't run across that mini game just yet. But I've heard a lot of people are not happy with that, one. or at least it's way more challenging than anything that they've done beforehand. Which is good. It's good, but the grabbing mechanics in that game feel really weird. I mean, I've I've talked about this before. For example, the uh, the the grab the tail mini games that you have in it feel really annoying because you're just chasing that one person around the whole time and they can't grab them. And then you're trying you to grab them and you miss. try to cut them off. I am very bad in trying to predict how people move in that game, so it never works. I'm like, hey, oh, hey, hey guess what? Here. The arena is literally a circle. <laughs> <laughs> it is a circle, except I I, I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's my weird, weird one-track <laughs> brain that doesn't allow me to do stuff like that or something or think it through um but it's yeah fair. um yeah outside of that i also played the uh the the the, the demos that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. um i will say one thing about uh the whole banter between prometheus and zeus zeus is a dude bro like a full-on dude bro because whatever he says is like oh yeah sure whatever um yeah um yeah, that was a minotaur. Uh, oh no, wait, this was a bunch of roosters. Wait, wait, what? Why did you go from minotaur to like lion and like manticore and whatever, and then suddenly end up with roosters? The, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Zeus. <Grr. laughs> so I think um, part of the appeal is going to be that the the the, the banter between Prometheus. And uh, Zeus on uh, on that game because I think that's going to be like a really cool driving point. And uh, that's basically what I've been playing. Um, yeah. Cool. So sit tight, everyone. Uh, we're going to do one final segment, and uh, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back to our last final segment. We're bringing it back to Hidden Gems. Hidden Gems! I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Maximilian, what is your hidden gem? 
my hidden gem, I think people have at least heard of this game. Um, you know, unless they don't own a Switch, which at that case, I don't think you've heard of this game. Um, people know me as, you know, an RPG guy. Um, and I like to play a lot of different kinds of, of RPGs, uh, even though my go-to is always JRPGs. Uh, this one is an interesting RPG because it's a golf RPG called Golf Story. Um, it's a Switch exclusive uh, wherein you play a character who um, gets into uh, trying to play golf, uh, play a golf tournament, um, and the whole game is literally played by playing games of golf. Uh, either um, regular golf lanes or uh, I think there are a few a few places where you play kind of like a putt-putt thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going around with your golf club um, because you want to be like the best golfer. And they're like, no, you can't be the best golfer. You, you suck. And yes, when you start off, you kind of suck. But the whole point of an RPG is to get better, level up. Um, and you can do that. And you have different missions that you can play. Um, there are a whole bunch of different levels that you can play through. So you start off, you know, on a regular golf course. Um, you then end up in, for example, also a place that has a spooky vibes uh, for, you know, those Halloween vibes, if you want to play that as well. But there's also one place where you play as, and you play on a beach where they're playing volleyball. And you still play, you're still playing golf, by the way, on this volleyball beach. They're weird. They're, they're places that people are just playing volleyball. They're playing golf. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Um, okay. Um, you can do golf frisbee in this place. All right, let's do golf frisbee. And you, uh, the mechanics change a little bit for it to make sense because you're playing with a frisbee instead of with, um, with, you know, a golf club. And it's re the, the, the story is really funny. Um, the writing is really good. So I totally, I recommend it on the writing alone. Uh, but the gameplay itself is also really good. If you've played any kind of, a uh, modern golf game on any system. Um, it uses, of course, the uh, uh, the meter where it swings back, and then you have to hit the sweet mm-hmm. the sweet spot to hit it dead center or a little bit off to the left or to to slice or a little bit uh, to the right to lob or whatever, um, or you know put uh, put on some spin on it as well, which is which is yeah really cool. I mean, it plays like a golf game, but you can level up. Um, you have characters that you interact with. There's even a part of the game early on where you go into this dude's mansion that has this big TV screen and it plays an 8-bit version of the game <laughs> where you're playing an 8-bit version of, of, of a golf game. And it's it's basically the exact same mechanics, but it's all in 8-bit and it's all in-game. And you can, there is a story related uh, reason why you can play it, but afterwards you can play it whenever, um, whenever you return to that mansion and play it. Um, so it's a really fun game. I, it had a lot of initial buzz when it came out um, because it was in the early days of the Switch and the early days of the Switch had a lot of weird games. Um, but yeah, this is, that's the Golf Story is one that stuck with me and it's getting a sequel that it's folk that is focused on multiple different sports. Um, 
so not golf, but also uh, I think that one is like soccer and volleyball and uh, like I think two other uh, two other sports. It's called Sports Story, which is also coming. I'm out. gonna shake my I'm head sure. and you calling it soccer instead of football. <laughs> Gosh, sorry, sorry, yeah, my 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 weird random Americanness came out again. I don't know what's happening today. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you can play football. You can play. Um, volley—I I think it was football, volleyball, and two other ball-related um, sports in it. It's not out yet. I think it's coming out sometime next year in 2021. Um, but at least you can pick up uh, Golf Story now. It's not that expensive, um, and it's a very extensive story uh, to play through. So if you want to play something a little bit different, um, we were already talking earlier about playing something out of your comfort zone. Um, if you want to play something out of your comfort zone, then uh, golf stories, at least one way to go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, no problem. So, Don, do you have a hidden gem? Yes, I do. Uh, this is called uh, The Gardens Between. It's available on all platforms, I believe. Think PC, PlayStation 4, Switch, Xbox One. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is a. You don't necessarily control directly the characters. It's a single-player puzzle adventure game where you manipulate time back and forth and interact with objects to make certain events happen. So uh, the two main characters, which are Arena and Brent, I believe, uh, move across this circle, circular puzzle where uh, there are, are certain objects to interact with and there are certain paths to take. And if you change the way that the objects move about or the way that these objects um, interact with the world, you can adjust how these two characters walk to the top. Um, along the way, um, you have these these vibrant, like island-like landscapes that are like basically filled with like objects from your childhood. And there's even a level where you like play on a game on an NES where basically an object jumps into the television. There's also another object where you basically um, try to move these uh, these water guns or what have you f- through a certain um, sort of for a certain area. So there's different aspects to everything that you do. Along the way, there's a very touching story about like like the friendship and, and the memories that you made along the way. Um, and it, honestly, the way that you manipulate time to resolve those puzzles is insanely clever. Um, they are not intrusive, but they are challenging. Like, you need to, to find out the threats that hold everything together. Um, and that sometimes, sometimes might not be very easy to do because um, sometimes the the option or the the, the solution that you're looking for is insanely well hidden. Um, one of the early levels early on um, is basically made with these old, like old school computers, like printers, um, this um, these count machines, and you basically have to type in a certain number code back at the beginning. So you have to go almost to the end, and then back at the beginning to type in a certain number code. It allows you to lock up the certain path to get yourself to the end. So there's a lot of variables there. And I think it's very fun. 
it's insanely clever and well made, but it, it takes time to adjust to its uh, surroundings. I've been, I've, I've, I've seen it in, uh, I've seen it pop up on, I think at least one or two uh, uh, Nintendo indie showcases, and I was really looking forward to that, but for some reason it fell off my radar. Um, again, that's why we we used to do hidden gems. Um, so uh, thanks for that, for that. So thanks for uh, letting us know. I, I'm like even looking more forward to it, playing it more now, because cool. uh, that, that's literally like one. I tend to like playing weird games or um, games with very unique mechanics because for me, gameplay is everything. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this just reinforces, um, uh, yeah, my will to play that game. So I'm definitely going to check it out later. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Right, cool. So, Sean Templar, what is your hidden gem? My hidden gem is a game that I talked about earlier in game. There's this game called Days Gone. More open world survival game, I'd call it. Came out last year in April and it is um it's basically have any of you ever seen the the movie World War Z? No. Yep. It's Once. uh it's basically a, a a game version of that. So you play as Deacon St. John, who is part of this motor gang, and there is a virus that breaks out into the world. Um, I finished it this year, and it, it kind of closely resembled the feeling that I had with the things that are going around in the world right now, because there's a person in a lab that gets the, uh, is exposed to this virus, and he goes to a convention, he infects other people there, it goes uh-huh. around the world, there's a pandemic, and before you know it, everybody turns into a flu. Uh, basically, a, a zombie-like uh, person. Um, so you play as as Deacon. Wait, are you saying that that the the virus deniers are the freakers? <laughs> you mean like the COVID virus, or yeah? No, 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 no. But it's actually, oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> it just felt so so strangely familiar because I'm like, hey, this is maybe how the world is. No, it's like. I'm not going to go into that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making this work. I'm making this work. Back to the game. So it, yeah, so you're, it, the game is set in uh, Oregon, I believe. Um, it's, uh, it has this huge open world, a lot of different environments. You start out in a foresty, mountainy environment. You're basically trying to survive with your your buddy. He was also on a bike. And um, you have these smaller settlements with survivors left in them. You can do missions for them. Um, and then that way you progress more in the story. Um, a cool mechanic is that you have a bike which you use to travel around with, and you also have to, for example, maintain the bike, put fuel in the bike, because otherwise it runs out, you can't escape. Um, you can upgrade your, your, your weapons, your bike, you can craft weapons, uh, a baseball bat, and like that. Um, so it's, it's really cool. Um, I know that when the game came out, it received some mixed reviews. Um, some said it was like a movie that lasts too long. Um, I personally liked the game because it just kind of had a different take. A lot of people compared it to Last of Us, but it is like a Last of Us, a bit more action focused, where the Last of Us is a bit more story and stealth focused. Um, one of the cool parts is, is is there are hordes in the game of freakers, so mm-hmm. they're hibernating in caves or they're hibernating in certain areas, and then 
we just randomly walk into them. And if you play too much sound, they all just try to swarm you. And I can tell you, it is super freaky when a huge swarm is chasing you because you never have enough ammo or enough weapons to kind of beat the horde. So you have to come up with creative ways to push them into choke points and then throw molotovs at them or grenades or, or whatever. Um, the story did take a, a, a surprising twist for me. It is not basically, it is not a typical story for me at least. Um, further you get, the more different environments you see, you eventually come in contact with this military faction, which is super organized. And they have this um, almost like a cult and they're trying to take back the world, one, killing one freaker at a time. At the same time, there is this organization called Nero, who is basically conducting research and trying to figure out if there's a cure for the freaker virus. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I spent quite some time into the game, and I would, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, the game has sold well enough, but I do hope that Sony will continue a sequel down the road. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically my... my um, Hidden gem in a nutshell, the game is coming to the PlayStation Plus collection. So, for example, if you pick up a PS5 uh, this December, this is one of those games you'll just get for free if you have PlayStation Plus, and you'll be able to give it a second look. Try it out, guys. And if you have a PS4, try it out again, because it's try it out still, because it's a, it's a really good game. It's one of those, yeah. I believe it's also on PlayStation Now right now, uh, yeah, until January. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so if you have that free two-week trial lying around, use it. There's a lot of legs in the PS now. But yeah, that's basically it. I'm sort of burned out on games featuring like zombie-like creatures. It, that, does that make sense? I know what you mean. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Days Gone and then State of Decay on Xbox don't give me a lot of confidence in like, I want to play this. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know. Yeah. I, I played the State of Decay a couple of months ago. The second one felt similar. There where State of Decay has less of a story, at least for me, and less of a story, Days Gone has the bad part, but they are with also I think uh, they, uh, The Last of Us kind of set the bar for zombie games and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hard to beat it. <laughs> or The Walking Dead, uh, the Telltale games. Yeah, I, yeah. I made those as well. Those are it takes a different take on the zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with that, we have reached the end of uh, another episode of Game Rivals. Um, thank you to everyone for listening, as always. Thank you so much to Don for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Some, uh, some perspectives. I hope you had fun as much as we did. Um, Seriously, yeah. You can, uh, everybody can find us on Anchor, which is uh, one of our homes. Uh, we're also available on other major podcasting platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Google Podcasts. Um, you can also leave us a voice. By the way, the Google Podcasts app is now available on iOS for some reason. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, They're trying okay. to sneak up into different territory. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, if you're a Google Podcast user, try it out on iOS. Yeah. Um, so you can also leave us a voice message through Anchor. You don't have to make an, an account for that. You can click on the link in the description. It might feature you as a game rival. Um, you can find us on social media at game underscore rivals underscore Twitter, at game rivals for Instagram. Um, we have a YouTube channel, which we have the link in the description. 
Um, you can also email us, uh, gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Um, where can people find you, Dan? You uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at Nintendo. That's N-A-N-T-N-D-A-A-N. Uh, on YouTube with Nintendo with one at the end, so Nintendo one. Um, I do stuff now for Source Gaming, for Game Explain, and for uh, Commonwealth Realm. If I do stuff for them, I usually retweet them or I quote tweet them, so it's easy to find stuff on my Twitter there. Um, other than that, there is yeah, not. Yes, I'm also on Instagram. Same Nintendo. And I don't post as much on there. Probably should. Probably should. If people follow follow me on there, maybe I will be forced to do more stuff with it. But it doesn't seem like many people follow me on Instagram. It's mostly Twitter. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll um, shout out. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Cool. Thank you. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, I have and always will be Sean Templar. I have and always will be Maximilian X. And I am uh, the European trash known as Dan Koopman. (laughs) (laughs) And we will catch you on the next one. (laughs) Later.